I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Great to have you today. Uh, okay, I am I'm generally a, a you know half cup full kind of guy. Uh, I try to hold on to optimism, and we, if you're a Christian, you've got nothing but great reasons to be optimistic. Um, but I'm also realistic. Uh, and when you look out at our country today, I mean, there are some sick puppies out there. There's some really awful things going on, and I, I think we can acknowledge that without being pessimist without losing hope because we have the gospel we we've got the solution if there was no solution yeah it would be it would yeah it could be a rough ride so what do we do with that well i think the best thing to do with that is to educate ourselves as to what is going on out there so that we can address it we so we can speak biblical truth into a situation know thy enemy right one of the great statements of of war uh and we are in a spiritual war but our weapons are not flesh and blood you know we know we know that's different but arming yourself with the knowledge i think is essential and i've got a great resource for you today it is a new book called wimpy weak and woke by john cooper and uh, if you if you recognize the name uh you'll recognize his face too but he's the lead singer of a band skillet for those of you who know uh that that world great band uh but he, he's the kind of guy, I love this guy, just, just telling you, I love this guy. He, uh, he speaks directly. You, don't, you won't wonder what he's thinking by the end of this, this conversation, and I appreciate that. It's refreshing at times. So appreciate you guys being here. Uh, as you see, chat is open if you're out there. I see Facebook people. I see YouTube people. Um, jump on in if you've got any questions or comments you want to get on this conversation. It'll be a lively one. John, great to have you back on Life Today Live. Hey, it's so cool to be back. Thank you for having me. Thanks for the kind words. And I couldn't agree more, man. I couldn't agree. We we have every reason in the world to be optimistic. Jesus has won the victory. We know that. We know the future is bright. But I tell you what, we're in a dark period here. And we need to know, we need to understand what is happening because it is hurting people it is leading people down bad paths so that was a great open and i i really love it and appreciate it yeah and i i don't think it's a negative thing to to point out the the bad because i mean you have to when you come from a biblical foundation you have to be able to say no, no this is this is not of god this is what we call sin this is missing the mark uh, and, and that's the only way that you can have repentance, which is the only way you can have a heart change, which is, you know, I mean, that's, that's what Jesus walked around and did. He, he, he didn't, he, and here's the interesting thing. He, he, he was very forgiving in and in, in non-condemnational scripture really says it didn't come to the world to condemn the world with people. He was fabulous, but with truth, he was firm. And that's what I see you doing. You, you know, you, you on the road, you guys are out there touring a lot of times with, with not Christian bands, right? Uh, and, and I have no doubt that you are a kind, you, you know, loving person to non-Christians all around you all the time. You have to be to function in the world you're in. And it's biblical. But you don't compromise on the truth. Why are you so 
direct and firm in your convictions, and which I appreciate. So thank you. But where does that come from? Well, I think that you just kind of nailed it. I mean, you have personal friends. Uh, no, I would assume that no one has you know, friends that 100% agree with them about everything. How could you possibly live that way? So you have friends and you love people and you want to, you want to, to have, be tolerant when you don't, you know, don't agree on stuff. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to philosophy, when it comes to the things we're seeing, if we don't tell the truth to people, they're going to stay in chaos. And I think where it comes from is, is a love for people. I, I, I have two kids. I'm looking at the world going, how are kids growing up in a world where there is no moral stability? And, and, and let, me, let me explain what I mean when I say static morality, meaning morality that doesn't change. One of the things that gives us stability in society, no matter what society you live in, is that you understand the rules of that society, what people view as good and what is people view as bad. And that's how you become a good citizen. You, you are treating your neighbor as you want to be treated. Well, what happens when those rules change every single day? And imagine being a 12 or 13-year-old scared to death to say something in school or to say something to a friend because now there's a brand new faux pas and you're not allowed to say that anymore. And now you're viewed as a bad person. Or what if what if you're a kid growing up in, you know, it's 2020 and you've been told that violence is not good and that stealing is not good. But now all of a sudden you're seeing a lot of people supporting yeah. violent riots and, and stealing and looting. And they're saying that it's justice. Now, we had another brilliant example. Uh, I should say brilliant, horrific example, but it's a brilliant illustration of what's happened on October 7th on the Israel massacre, mm -hmm. as you are seeing tons of young people, college students in America, praising the actions of Hamas. Imagine being a kid and your mind is blown because you're like, wait a minute, I thought violence was bad. I thought that sexual assault was bad. I thought that hate was bad. And now they're saying it's good because it's directed against people that are supposedly oppressors. And it's so confusing. And so the reason I try to be so blunt is not because I hate people, not because I want to be authoritative or mean to people. It's because I love them. And I want to say, hey, there is a way out of this chaos. The Bible gives a, a blueprint. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he will, he will set you free. I love it. And, and it's, I, I, I love it. So don't change, by the way. So I don't, I don't know if you need to stay who you are because it's fabulous. Um, here's, here's something very interesting. And, and I, want, I want to not tell your views for you, but we're talking about the woke, right? Wimpy Week and woke being the title of your book. And woke is one of these catch-all phrases that unfortunately in a lot of conservative circles, it's, it's just the latest you know, liberal doesn't work anymore, so we call them woke. You know, it's, it's, it's just a pejorative. Uh, but there's actually a philosophy behind it. And part of that, and I know you know this, is the, uh, the critical, uh, critical theory, which basically, and I'm oversimplifying it, but it's, it's divides people into uh, those who are oppressed and those who are oppressors, right? Which is what you're seeing with the dynamics going on in Israel. Once that transfers to to an idea of a God because the oppressed are the ones who don't have power and the oppressors are the ones with power. And when you talk about an all powerful God, it gets a real twisted theology fast because God is then the ultimate oppressor. 
and therefore evil in, in that kind of dynamic. Um, and so I, 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 this is relevant, I think, to every Christian, whether you realize it or not. But I got to ask you, when you say woke, what do you mean by that? Yeah, that's a great question because the word woke really apparently triggers a lot of people. I, I had no earthly idea it would trigger people in the way that it has. <laughs> um, I define what I mean by the word woke in the introduction of the book. All people had to do is see it. <clears throat> and I define it that way to say, I know not everybody agrees with this, but this is how I define this word. And I even write in the first chapter, this is nearly a word for word quote. I say this. Caring about the poor, hating racism, speaking up for those who have experienced injustice is not N-O-T, and that is not being woke. That is acting like a Christian. That's what Christians do. We've been changed and saved by Christ, and love for God begets a love for your fellow man, and it should beget a love for justice. That is not being woke. I can't believe the amount of people that just will not listen to me as I explain what I mean when I say woke. And then I say, hey, if you disagree with this definition, then the shoe doesn't fit and you don't have to be offended. I mean, it's just my definition. But anyway, all that to say, a lot of liberal people, people that vote Democrat, also do not like wokeness as I just as I describe it. They even use the word woke. Bill Maher is anti-woke and he talks about it quite a lot. Yeah, Dave Chappelle is anti-woke and he talks about it and they are not they are not right wingers okay (laughs) so here's what i mean when i say woke it is not caring for the poor it's exactly what you just said it is a brand new totalizing worldview it is is nothing to do with christianity it is also nothing to do with a western way of of seeing morality and seeing justice and injustice it is a worldview that breaks everybody up into oppressors and oppressed groups, okay. but but those but those categories are not defined by a biblical definition of who is oppressed and who right. is oppressor. It's defined basically by neo-Marxism, and so it, it doesn't even have static definitions. So, in other words, you can be an oppressed group one day and be the oppressor group the next day. Mm-hmm. If you want a good example. The Jews are the perfect example right now. The Jews uh, are a minority group in America. So they are a minority group, which means that there are hate crimes against them. It's called anti-Semitism. Well, in what is happening now, all of a sudden you're seeing a breakdown happen when a lot of people on the left now see Jews not as an oppressed group, but as oppressors. Why? Because they are quote unquote, white adjacent because they are successful, because they believe in principles of Western democracy. Mm-hmm. So it, it's actually the perfect way to describe what is wrong with this totalizing worldview of wokeness. And that's why I say in the book, it is a it's not actually a right and left thing. It's not Republicans versus Democrat. It's really not. My book is not politically partisan at all. It's not even about politics. It's about worldview. It is a totalizing worldview that is at odds with Christianity, but also at odds with America and Western civilization. And, you know, I I love that you point that out because that's very important um, because we all have a worldview, you know, whether you realize it or not, you have a worldview. It's it's a it's a view of the world. Uh, It's not to use the word to. define the word but i mean that that's the simplest way to look at it 
Christianity is a worldview. In fact, that's what Christ did. He walked around and adjusted everyone's worldview to align with what he, he says is truth, because he says he is the truth, right? He is the way, he is the life. So this is very important. This is a very important thing, especially, I mean, I know a lot of your fans are younger, right? You know, um, how do we get through to the younger generations uh, that's being constantly bombarded with this ungodly worldview mm. to get that them, is a, right? Go ahead. Yeah, great question. And I will tell you, it is not easy. Um, I am not giving you a woe is me. I signed up for this. I believe what I'm saying <laughs> is true. And I believe the Lord told me to do it. So uh, this is not a, a poor, poor John moment, but the backlash you get when you take on these worldviews is so fierce and so vitriolic, mm. it's absolutely unreal. And young people have, have grown up in a time when you have all of the institutions on one particular side. So you have the media, you have big tech, you have Hollywood, you have all the celebrities, you have everything that is, that is popular is all on one side pushing what I can, what I define as a woke worldview. Mm -hmm. If you're a young person, it just begins to sound normal. In other words, that is what is right. That is the correct worldview. So when Christians begin to to come against that worldview, young people automatically lash out. And how do I think we have to do it? I think we have to to tell the truth. We have to show young people not only, not just like why the Bible says this isn't right, which we do. But we have to explain to young people the results of this worldview, why it doesn't work. Yeah. And I will tell you, as soon as you do it, you will get lamb blasted. <laughs> you will get hated. But I mean, just I, I just read an article yesterday. Here's a good article for you. Uh, in Portland, um, this, the school teachers union has enforced this new rule. So for students who misbehave, uh, school teachers have to consider the race and the gender identity, the sexual identity of the student before they can meet out a punishment. So in other words, if a student um, punches another student in the face, well, typically that would mean that you get kicked out of school. But now the teacher has to say, yeah, but, but we have to know maybe the aggressor is a minority status person. Maybe he's a minority, a person of color. Maybe he's a sexual minority. Maybe he is this, which means that he is an oppressed class of person, which means that his punishment should not be severe, as severe as if the, the aggressor was a white, heteronormative, heterosexual person. Mm. We have to show young people how these results actually work in the end. If you're the person that gets punched in the face, do you actually care <laughs> what, what right. the, the gender identity of the person right. that punched you in the face is? The color of that person's skin is the last thing you think about. So now justice is, is now being meted. Now, that's just that's just kind of a funny but a tragic example. Right. But right. those things are happening with defund the police. Those things are happening with the way we view crime. They are happening with every single thing. So what we have to do to young people is say, OK, look at the results of what this means if you believe it and here's why there's a better way and the, and the last thing i'll say about it is this the reason i feel passionate about this is because christians 
have a tendency to say to people, it doesn't work. Why? Because the Bible says, Yeah. and that's the end of the discussion. Right. Now, if the Bible says it, it's true. Amen. And hallelujah. I believe it. Right. But God's laws and his commands actually make sense. They're not arbitrary. It, it, God's not like, no, because I said so. And that's the way it is. He's like, no. And here is why my laws are going to be good for you because I love you. And because if you do what I say, you will flourish and you will have more joy in your life mm -hmm. and you will have more peace in your life. That's what we have to begin to think deeply about so that we can present this positive vision of the kingdom of God to young people. Yeah, I love it. And unfortunately, we haven't always done a great job in the church in general. You know, we can sometimes come across and sometimes say that the Bible is, is a, a rule, rule book, which feels oppressive, but it, it's a plan for success. And that's what I hear you saying. Oh, I love it. Uh, okay, I'm going to show people the book. This is Wimpy, Weak, and Woke by John Cooper, John L. Cooper. Uh, and it's available wherever you get books. Really good one, especially if you got somebody in your life who uh, won't listen to you on these things because you're the older religious person or whatever, but might listen to uh, a guy who's got a really cool rock band. <laughs> Seriously, the, the platform will open up some ears that, that might surprise you. Um, but you use a phrase in this, John, I want to ask you about, because it says how truth can save America from utopian destruction, uh, which I think is a, a great a great way to look at it, because utopia is a good thing. It's a promise of something better. Uh, but you follow it with the word destruction. Explain that mm. that phrase. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in fact, I just want to mention this. Unfortunately, the only place you can get the physical book right now is actually my website. Really? John L. Yeah, JohnLCooper.com, because right. I published it on my own for reasons we won't get into right now. I can so only imagine. Everybody go to, <laughs> yeah, believe me. So go to JohnLCooper.com. You can get the book there. Okay. Um, unless you want the Kindle, Kindle version is available on Amazon. So Utopian Destruction, it just makes so much sense to me. And once again, the pushback I've gotten about this is crazy. And I, I think it's actually a really sad, it's very telling. I think that what we've lost in our country is the ability to, to think critically, to hear someone say something and then say, okay, I don't know what you mean. Can you explain it? Think critically about this. Here's what utopia is. All that utopia is, is supposed to be the perfect society, the perfect world. No one lacks for anything. Everyone has a quality of outcome. Um, everybody has food. It is perfect. The reason I say utopian destruction is because utopia is a dream. Utopia can never happen. Every time that we have tried to create utopia, it ends in dystopia every single time. That's what you have in uh, with, with Lenin in the Bolshevik revolution in Russia. We're gonna create the perfect com communistic society. Everybody has everything that they want. And what you find out is actually, it doesn't work. People end up with less, people starve to death. You know, uh, over all of the Marxist regimes in the last century led to over 120 million deaths. I mean, that that's so, that's outrageous. 120 million people's yeah, yeah. lives lost. So utopia, the reason I wrote about it that way is because secular humanism, which is the worldview of the day, as you said, everybody has a worldview. Everybody believes that something is right, something there, there's there's somewhere we are going. We want to build the world and make it better some way. If you take God out of that picture, 
then you are left with nothing more than the power of man. That's man's ideas, man's, you know, good or bad concepts and man's laws. And basically that is called secular humanism saying that we can reach morality without God. That is always going to try to lead to utopia. And so I'm, I write throughout the book, these different versions of this utopia, whether it is communism, whether it is some sort of a, you know, Freud, like sexual utopia. We, we The 1960s introduced the free love movement, which was a sort of sexual utopia, yeah. neo-Marxism, um, and all of these things lead to disaster. Mm -hmm. And I think that I, I lay it out in a way that I think is easy enough for the, the typical non-academic American to understand why they don't work. It's an interesting thing, and I know you've heard this, because they always say, well, they just didn't do it right. You know? Yes. Right. Uh, and, and and honestly, if you look back, uh, whether it's you know in Cuba or in, in Russia with the czars, uh, probably some other good examples, they start out by protesting corruption. You know, uh, the the government is is wrong on these points, and when they initially start. They're correct, and then they promise we're going to usher in a better one, and here's we're going to do it, some form of socialism somewhere in there. Um, and not all socialist-leaning countries have gone down this path, but the ones that are the really hardcore we call you know communist or whatever, the North Koreas of the world, um, they, they start fine, they start noble, if you will, and then they, they just they kill people, right? oppress people they become worse you know the solutions worse than the problem and yes which leads to this common argument we hear today they just did it wrong they didn't do it by the 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 book in a sense what do you say to those people who say no set those aside because they they actually did it wrong we're going to do it right this time yes it's such a great question because this this is the issue at hand so w what is quote the right way. <laughs> there, there's there's no plan. There, there's no book that shows us how to do it because it's never been done. And mm -hmm. so the idea is you, you keep throwing darts. You keep throwing darts until you hit something. And sure, 100 million people died, but we at least we tried. You throw more darts. You defund the police. What happened in 2020? We defund yeah. the police because we got to have a change. You throw darts. We're trying it. What happened after defund the police? Even the, the the places, I don't know if you saw in Minneapolis, they did defund the police. There's a woman on the city council there that was saying the police are racist. It's white supremacist. We have to get rid of it. They they got they defunded it. And about six months ago, that woman on the city council got uh, carjacked and beat up. And she did an Instagram post. She's got blood all over her face. She's complaining that there are no cops around <laughs> and she's selling her house and moving out of Minneapolis. <laughs> Why? Because she threw the dart. They tried something. Well, that didn't work. Then we try the next thing. My, one of my favorite philosophers of all time is a called GK Chesterton and GK Chesterton has an amazing quote. I'm going to get it wrong, but he basically explains the difference between progressivism and conservatism. And he, here's basically what it is. Imagine a man that just bought, you know, 200 acres of land and he's walking, he's walking on his land for the first time. And he comes across a huge fence in the middle of his land. The, the progressive person comes up and says, why is there a fence here? We don't need it. Tear it down. The conservative person is walking down, sees a fence and he says, I wonder why they put a fence here. 
That's the difference. The conservative angle is saying, all right, wait a minute. Before you jump to a new conclusion, we should find out what history teaches us. Why did they put the fence here? Was there a reason it was here before? What does history teach us? And the progressive one says, no, it's not good. Tear it all down. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that I understand the impetus for utopia. Mm-hmm. I affirm the impetus for utopia. I would like to have a perfect world too. And in fact, it proves something very deep that the Bible says God has put eternity in the hearts of man. In other words, whether you're a Christian or not, religious or not, you know there's something wrong. Mm. Life mm. is not supposed to be this way. Mm. People are not supposed to be killing each other yeah. and, and rape, uh, stealing from each other, hurting one another. There's got to be something. Why am I growing old? Why am I getting these wrinkles on my face? There is something deeply wrong about the fact that that life is taken away from us. And there's got to be more than this. And it says something deep about what, what the Bible says. We cannot make it on our own. We cannot figure it out on our own. We long for eternity. We long for a time when all the wrongs will be made right. And the problem with utopia is that it can never, ever make all the wrongs right. And in fact, that's what Marx and the critical theorists lamented. That's why they they couldn't stand Christianity and religion. Mm. They just said, they said the problem with religion and Christianity specifically is that it gives you a false hope that one day all the old injustices are going to be made right. And that is why religion has got to go. All we have is the here and now, and we must implement full justice right here, right now. And what happens when mankind tries to to implement full justice? You end up killing a bunch of people um, who frankly did not deserve it and didn't do anything to you, but maybe their great, great, great grandparents did, or maybe you just imagined that they did. So Christ offers us hope. And the very thing that they criticize Christianity for is to me, that is the hope of glory. One day I'm going to be in heaven with Christ and I'm not going to care about who did me wrong. I'm going to be forgiven. In fact, I already am forgiven for the people that I have done wrong because everybody does someone wrong. But Christ, the only perfect judge, will make all of the wrong things right. That is the hope of glory. That's the message I want to tell, especially young people right now. And, you know, that's a great point about the desire we all have, because that's a common ground that, that you can you can stand on with someone who completely disagrees with you. Because if you start from the same place and, and they go towards uh, a solution and we go towards scripture, you, you know, the more you go down that road, the further apart you are. But if you go back to that starting point of, hey, no, we both want a better world. We both want justice. We both want this. Now let's talk about and contrast and compare, and, and, and that's actually a great place to be. And when you have, you know, the security of the Scripture, you can be as as strong as Paul was when he, you know when he went right into Rome and made his arguments with a secular culture. He was coming from a place of confidence and strength because he knew he was on. He didn't have God on his side. He was on God's side. He was on God's ground, right? And that that foundation it isn't going to be shaken no matter what comes and goes in our world. And so I think it's a place, man, it's a strong place to be. And knowing the arguments that you lay out in your book, I think are very important for, for anyone. Um, 
Where, where do you think we're going with all this? I know last time we talked, it was right. It was right before the election, actually, uh, in 2020. And they had had, you know, the Kyle Rittenhouse situation right there. And those people had marched right past your house. So, I mean, you you've seen this battle going on literally in the streets of your own town. Where do you think we're headed here in the States, at least? Well, I think it's going to be a pretty dark time, honestly. I mean, I've been saying this to people because right now I'm getting a ton of pushback from Christians, tons. I really can't believe it. And people are saying, you used to be about Jesus, and now you're just about politics. No matter how many times I say it, they won't listen to me. (laughs) But I'll say it again anyway. Um, We are not in a moment in America of arguing between typical Republicans and Democrats, right versus left. That's not what's going on. What's happening in America is between people who believe that America and the West are built on principles that are worth preserving. And those who do not think that America and the West are principles are worth preserving, I I think that they are. And I'm trying to make a case for that. I think where we're going is into a very difficult time I think people are throwing darts, as we said, Mm -hmm. saying America's evil. It was built on slavery. It was built on white supremacy. And this is built on the powerful and yada, yada. And they're throwing darts. And I don't think they thought deeply about what happens if you do topple America. What's going to happen to religious freedom? That doesn't just affect Christians. That affects all sorts of people. So where do I think we're going? I think Christians need to speak the truth and not let the culture dictate the terms of our surrender and i think that's what's happening right now they're dictating the terms of our surrender and we're going hey we're not allowed to say these things or these things because it's going to be viewed as me being a mean person and i just tell these people like be loving be nice but it's not my fault that the culture is incapable of having some sort of dialogue about philosophical concepts that that is a really sad state we're in a place where not only will people not hear you out, they won't even let you speak. And that's kind of what's crazy about this moment. Like, for instance, in my book, I don't write that those people are wimpy. You are wimpy. You're a sissy. I don't write that. I say we have become wimpy, weak, and woke. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a zeitgeist of our culture. Um, no matter how many times I say it, this isn't about you. It's about we. It's about a way of thinking that I that I'm challenging. It just doesn't matter. But Christians need to kind of grow a backbone, understand that it's not our fault that people can't think critically. We have to keep speaking the truth and pray that the Holy Spirit opens up people's eyes to their own delusional insanity, that they literally cannot hear somebody say an opinion without frothing at the mouth and, and acting like they, they have rabies. It's absolutely an, an astonishing moment, but I think we're headed for some very very difficult times in America. And I frankly think that it's going to hurt a lot of people. It makes me sad. Um, A lot of the people pushing for these things, they are going to be very hurt by it. And it makes me really sad. I have, I I get no pleasure in the fact I I don't, I'm not going to feel like, well, they got what they had coming. It's their fault. I don't feel that way. I feel sad. I'm warning them. This is going to affect you in ways that you just, you just don't understand, and it's really sad. So I think that that's the the Christ-like thing to do. Yeah, it, it is, and you're right. It will be misunderstood by a lot of people, uh, and I could go into issue after issue. Um, but you gotta you, you can't compromise the truth, and, and truth 
and grace. We speak the truth in love. That that's the condition that we are given in Scripture. And and if you can't do that, you might just need to go back, soak yourself in the Word a little bit, and, and keep your mouth shut until you can. But we, we can't be quiet, you know. Amen. And so I Amen. appreciate you. All right, I want to I want to hit the website real quick. This is JohnLCooper.com. Uh, and my mistake, I didn't realize that. It doesn't surprise me that you can't get a book like this everywhere yet. Um, but, you know, for now, uh, go to the website there, johnocooper.com, pick up the book, uh, or get you your, your Kindle version, which is what I do. Um, but let, let's get this out there. Arm yourself. Prepare yourself. Uh, and uh, if you're a Skillet fan, you can check out the Skillet website and uh, see what's coming up for 2024. Just wrapping up a big tour. So you, you guys that are Skillet fans probably already saw that. Uh, good times, you know, um, with, with Mr. Cooper and the band. Uh, you know, the great thing about what you got there, John, with that, is that sometimes I just want to scream at the world, but I don't have a good electric guitar riff and rhythm section to back me up. You do. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes, that helps. <laughs> That's got to be very therapeutic. I, I envy you yes. on that. Because when I do it, people just people get disturbed and they call the, pl- the police on me So um, in public. Anyway. A joke, right? All right, I've gotten off off track. Appreciate you. Thank you, John. Right. Appreciate you being here. Look, I for, loved it. Thank you, brother. <laughs> look forward to talking to you again. And appreciate you guys out there watching. Hit that share button. Hit the like, subscribe, follow, whichever. Depending on where you're at. By the way, one of the reasons we're on Rumble, uploading to Rumble after the fact, is some of the stuff we're seeing in our culture. So, if this d- interview disappears off some of the other outlets, Twitter's a good one now. Light source Rumble, but. Uh, Find us. We're out there. We'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live.